Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody. This is Terry from Texas, your presenter of Terry's Mysterious Moments, with another couple of stories that are out of the strange. The Headless Horseman is a story that captures the imagination like nothing else can especially around Halloween. Regional American history and urban legend influences the interpretation of this apparition more than you would suppose. I know that we're not near Halloween on the calendar, but there are a special group of people, of which I am one, who, if not celebrate, then venerate Halloween as a year-long event. We watch spooky movies and shows. We read spooky stories. We go to spooky places and even sometimes live in spooky situations. That's why some of us feel that the legend of Sleepy Hollow is a premier presentation of the ghost story genre. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, written by Washington Irving, was published in 1820, approximately 42 years after the end of the American Revolution and eight years after the War of 1812. Scars from the war had not completely healed from collective memory. Although headless horsemen exist in Irish, German, and other folklores, Irving's story traces its origins to a mixture of the bloody American Revolution and the existing Dutch traditions of the New York region. It is that connection between the regional legend and its basis in history that creates a historic urban legend. And a pretty neat story, too. Most of the folklore of early America was so fresh and raw that many cultivated writers rejected it in favor of the more romantic tales and ballads of Europe. Yet Washington Irving, who dearly loved the antique and quaint, was one of the first to recognize the romance in the tall tales and rough practical jokes of the frontier. Born in 1783 in New York, New York, and dying in 1859 in Terrytown, a mere two-thirds of a mile from Sleepy Hollow, Irving was very much a part of the landscape of which he wrote. As familiar to most readers, Irving's classic story of the legend of Sleepy Hollow goes as follows. A Connecticut teacher named Ichabod Crane accepted the position of headmaster in the village of Sleepy Hollow, New York, 
a Dutch stronghold in New York State. The Dutch were perceived to be a people fond of ghost stories told around hearths and in the company of others. Sleepy Hollow was portrayed as being populated with both living and supernatural elements. In fact, the remote hamlet seemed to have fallen under some sort of enchanted spell. Poor Ichabod is prone to believe in tales of the supernatural, getting his fill at the shared firesides of local houses. It was a New England custom of the time that local families provided rotational board and keep for their school teachers. During one of those stays, Ichabod learns of Sleepy Hollow's most troubling tale, the ghost of a Hessian soldier, that's a, a German mercenary, who lost his head during the American Revolution. The troubling ghost remained in search of his head and frequented the old church road and yard where he was believed to have been buried. As fate would have it, Ichabod has a student, the lovely Katrina Van Tassel. The only child of a prosperous farmer named Baltus Van Tassel, Ichabod imagines himself in love. But whether his affection stems from the flirtatious beauty or her fortune is a bit more difficult to ascertain. Katrina is also the object of a local lad's attention, the athletic and virile Brom Van Brunt, who is also known as Brom Bones. When Brom learns that Ichabod has decided to woo Katrina, Brom defends his own interests. The fact that the scholarly and gangly Ichabod refuses to be drawn into physical confrontation in the manner of the frontier, that's with his fists, forcing Brom to resort to other, more creative means to drive the Yankee schoolmaster away. There comes a time when Ichabod receives an invitation to a party at the Van Tassels. He leaves, somehow disappointed by Katrina. Alone on the eerie road home, his imagination starts to run wild. He passes Major Andre's hanging tree, that was the Revolutionary War participant, Major John Andre, who was a British agent who dealt with American turncoat Benedict Arnold regarding the takeover of West Point by the British during the war. The hanging tree is another haunted landmark. Near that disturbing tree, he spies a figure who fails to respond to his greeting. The figure, mounted on a big dark steed, falls in behind Ichabod. The teacher tries to shake him off, but to no avail. Before long, he realizes the rider has no head on his shoulders, but carries it on the saddle before him. Confronted by this horrible specter, Ichabod urges his horse on as fast as the old horse can go. They all reach the churchyard almost at the same time. Beyond is a bridge which local legends claim the headless horseman does not cross. Ichabod manages to cross to safety, but he makes the mistake of looking back when he reaches the other side. 
the apparition throws his head at Ichabod, knocking him off the horse. The following morning, Ichabod's horse returns to the farm, and all that is found of Ichabod is his hat and a smashed pumpkin. Whether the teacher ran off or was captured by the headless horseman was the point of much debate. And thus ends Washington Irving's tale. But does Irving's story have origins in either history or regional folklore? The answer is yes to both. It is a known fact that Hessian mercenary soldiers fought for the British during the Revolution. They were well known. The area near Sleepy Hollow was contested ground where two relatively important battles were fought, the battles of Manhattan and White Plains. September 17th of 1776, General William Howe ordered a regiment of Hessian mercenaries under Colonel von Donop into battle at Manhattan. The Americans fled in disarray and some say terror at the oncoming Hessians. Reports of Hessians bayoneting, retreating, and surrendering American soldiers at Brooklyn Heights were widely believed and added to the already existing terror surrounding the Hessian mercenaries. A British officer, whose name has been lost to history, later recounted, Our Hessians and our brave Highlanders, that's the Scots troops, gave no quarter, and it was a fine sight to see with what alacrity they dispatched the rebels with their bayonets. General Howe again let loose his Hessians on October 28th in White Plains, New York. After brutal battles, the Americans retreated. On October 31st, both armies regrouped, and General William Heath wrote, an artillery shell took off the head of a Hessian artilleryman. It is quite possible this is the event that prompted the origins of some of the local lore that Washington Irving encountered. It is widely believed that the unfortunate Hessian was buried at the old Dutch churchyard in Sleepy Hollow, about nine miles from White Plains. It is quite probable that Washington drew upon both history and local legend to create the legend of Sleepy Hollow. While headless horsemen are known in Europe prior to the settling of the United States and the American Revolution, the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow has captured the collective imagination and has been doing so since it was first published. Of course, the Disney movie, which is a great version for a cartoon, popularized it all the more in 1949. Probably didn't hurt that Bing Crosby was a narrator. Nevertheless, this melding of history and folklore created an early form of urban legend that is celebrated to this day. I've always enjoyed watching the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, there are some versions I don't particularly care for, but for the most part, they're all good. And I think it's just one of those stories that's going to hang around for a long time. Seeing as how this show airs without borders, so should the stories. 
Next story is about Glossen or Glossen, the Swedish ghost pig. Yeah. Imagine that it's winter in Sweden. New Year is approaching. You are standing outdoors in the middle of the night. Why? I don't know. It is cold and the ground is covered with a thick layer of snow. All is silent around you, except from the sound of the chilling winds. You wrap your jacket firmly around you to protect yourself from the cold. What was that? Did you just hear a noise from behind you? You turn around and all of a sudden, you see that something is approaching, moving towards you. You stare in that direction and notice a pair of glowing red eyes and discern the silhouette of a creature in the distance, the size of a large dog, or maybe it's a boar. You panic when you realize that the shape is rushing towards you at full speed. When it comes close, it becomes clear that it is indeed a big pig, but one with burning eyes, white skin, and a sharp back, formed like a saw blade. It runs straight at you and quickly comes between your legs, with the result that it will cleave you into two halves. What you have just met is a special type of ghost pig, known from many stories, primarily from southern Sweden. It is a supernatural being that is known by many names, such as Glossen, Glufsoen, Glossoen, Glopsugen, Lufusoen, or something similar. The name Glossen, the most common designation, might be derived from the verb at glow, to stare or to shine, and so, suga, or sow. In this short text, we'll look more closely at this charming ghost pig. Why pigs? Pigs have been shaped by their long and complicated relationship with humans, both as a species and symbolically. Even domesticated pigs used to roam the bush freely in the countryside and could sometimes be aggressive and dangerous, especially if they had piglets. Another risk was, of course, wild boar, which were even more terrifying and hazardous. And believe me, today in South Texas, javelinas and wild hogs are a curse on the land. Even today, people avoid wild boars, and there are occasional reports of people injured by boars in the wild. In popular culture, aggressive pigs or boars inspire horror motifs in many movies, computer games, and books. There was even a slasher movie from 1984 where the four-footed grunter was a razorback where a massive boar leads a pack of aggressive and cannibalistic wild boars in Australia, attacking humans, which partly builds on the fear of feral pigs and boars. The designation razorback is also common for a certain type of 
thin-bodied and, and long-legged feral hog in the southwest of the United States. In the folklore archives in Sweden, there are hundreds of accounts that mention different types of supernatural pigs. Some of the pigs are not really the same as Glossen. Other supernatural beings could also take the shape of a pig. For example, a murdered child that comes back to haunt the living. This type is usually called Gravso or Grave Sow, or the first sacrificed being when a new church is built. This type is called Kirkogrim or Churchgrim and sometimes appears as a pig. But in this tale, we'll look at Glossen. The supernatural being is usually associated with a ritual known as a year walk, a kind of perilous folk divination that could be performed during Christmas or New Year's, but was sometimes also associated with other seasons, such as midsummer. Let's start from the beginning, depending on where you think things start because that can always be a tricky thing to decide when it comes to folklore. If we leave out theories that argue that Glossen is related to different boars and pigs from Old Norse mythology, i.e. the god Freyr's boar, Gulenbursti, or the pre-Christian fertility rituals, then a good place to start is a curious text written by Petter Rudebeck, Antiquities from Smeland, published between 1697 and 1700. One chapter deals directly with the year walk ritual, something he thinks of as an old custom. He describes the ritual and how it culminates in a meeting with an old man on horseback. According to Rudebeck, the old man shows himself on the seventh year for someone who repeats the year walk annually. This man is clearly supernatural and is described as sitting on a horse with flames around its head and carrying a stick with rune carvings in, its, in his mouth. I believe that this man, who echoes notions of the old Norse god Odin, fills the same purpose as later accounts of Glossen. In the later descriptions of Glossen, it is this being that carries a rune stick in its mouth and challenges the year walker in a similar manner. As with any sort of folklore, the accounts, the details, and the explanations may vary. Even though there are other descriptions of the year walk ritual from the 17th and 18th century, it's from the 19th century that we find the most detailed depictions of Glossen that most clearly links it with the ghost pig. Descriptions of Glossen are usually filled with all kinds of horror motifs. One account says Glossen was horrible. It had 100 eyes over its body, shining like vile fire. Usually, she, remember it is a sow, is said to be a pig in the form of a horrible sow with a back in the shape of a razor-sharp saw. Sometimes she appears accompanied by several piglets. A common motif in the legends is that Glossen runs at the year walker at full speed 
and seeks to come between the Yearwalker's legs and cleave the walker in two with a razor-sharp back. Nice piggy. But in some records it said that she could also carry a Yearwalker far away on her back. How long the ride took varies, roughly from seven weeks to three years, and with the result that the rider could become bewildered, insane, or even die from exhaustion. Sometimes the motifs are combined so that the one who is carried away on her back will be massacred by the saw during the hard ride. Sometimes it's enough to be touched lightly by the Glossen for bad things to happen. One account speaks of such a meeting, and now she, a maid, could see Glossen, large as a steer, rush by. Fortunately, she had moved out of its way so that it only touched the hem of her dress. But just the encounter was bad enough, and a short while afterwards, she became ill. If Glossen had touched her or more of her dress, then there would have been no cure for her, for being touched by Glossen causes certain death. Thankfully, there are various means of protection. To cross one's legs, which is a reminder of the Holy Cross, Feeding Glossen certain prepared objects such as seven-year-old nuts, which are magical nuts. Throwing a fishing net over her or using knowledge of the black arts. Some records, albeit this is quite rare, describe Glossen as anthropomorphic. She looks like a human, but she had a pig's head and long, sharp tusks and was unpleasant to look at. Well, I can never think of a pig, except as a piglet, being anything cute to look at. Maybe this ambivalence about the similarity of the pigs and humans is a motif that we can also find in the far older legends of Circe's transformation of Odysseus's followers into pigs, mentioned in Homer's Odyssey, Ovid's Metamorphosis, and Plutarch's Gryllus. Pigs have frequently been used symbolically to bestialize and dehumanize others, a practice that exists up to this day. You meet somebody that's sloppy, you call them a pig. You have somebody that has rough-hewn attitudes about the sexes, they're called a chauvinist pig. Yearwalk can be seen as one of many possible expressions of this. It served a desire to lift the veil of what is hidden and unknown and cross the barriers of space and time. The purpose of Glossen was to hinder the Yearwalker from accomplishing his or her goal. It was one of many supernatural interferences that was to be expected before the Yearwalker could prove his or her worth and become sensitive to the supernatural and to be able to get a glimpse of the coming year. Glossen could also serve another purpose. A theme that could be found in many folklore accounts is that she carries a rune stick, a paper roll, or a book in her mouth. And if the Yearwalker manages to grab this, either through swiftness or by overturning her, the item could be used to instruct the Yearwalker in sorcery. It could be argued that these types of legends are 
supposed to give a logical reason for how someone comes into possession of a black book. Another far more common way was to sign a contract with the devil. Nowadays, it might be hard to grasp the aspects and need for something as mysterious and strange as a year walk. This has, among other things, to do with rapid urbanization and different worldview. The village communities have dissolved, and the villages have expanded into rural centers at such a pace that contemporary people cannot apprehend the way in which older generations were bound to the village community and traditions in all aspects of life. People viewed life in a different way and lived in fear of the supernatural. The world abounded with unpredictable events that were frequently explained as being caused by unseen, unpredictable, and supernatural beings and influences, good and ill luck, fate, and so on. Glosson was one such dangerous and unpredictable element. Be careful when walking outdoors on a cold winter's night. You never know what lurks out there in the dark. Well, that's the show for this week. That's the stories. The Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow is classic. Great story. Glossin? Eh. I guess you have to be Swedish to understand it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being along for the ride. I appreciate it. And I hope you come back next time for more Terry's Mysterious Moments. <laughs>